I'm Kate. I'm KB. And this is The Center Seats. Welcome back, everyone. I always say welcome back because I, I'm assuming that people have listened before, but nobody's going to start on episode eight or nine. Do you think? I mean, they might. Yeah, especially if they're like, ooh, I want to see that movie. True. And I already saw that other one. So, Well, in that case, welcome. Welcome, newcomers. Yes. On new this- fans, new subscribers. Yes. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss the new Clint Eastwood movie, Richard Jewell. And I was lucky enough to do a double feature of Star Wars and Cats, and I will give you guys a quick rundown on those. Hmm. So, KB, did you watch anything interesting this week? Well, I've been trying to catch up with you with all the various screeners that are out there for Film Critics Top 10 season. And um, I watched The Farewell, which uh, was very good. It actually, a little preview for our top 10, you might see it in there. All right, all right, all right. Simple uh, premise, simple premise, but um, well executed, heartfelt, very well done. It got some love in the our, the Kansas City Film Critics voting. It mm-hmm. got a few nominations. I was thinking about that for our top 10, since we're going to have two episodes, I was thinking that we should do like, um, very similar to the Kansas City Film Critics Awards and re- reveal what our choice would have been, or in your case, what your choice is. And then the following week have our quick rundown of our top 10s, because I'm thinking there's going to be a few that we have that are similar. Yeah, and I'm still playing catch up on some, watching them. There was just way too many and having to prioritize them. I also I, have to clarify some things I said previously on the podcast. Which not is needed. I was not voting for the Oscars. <laughs> no, no one is voting for the Oscars right now because, yeah. you know, it's too early. Give yourself right. another month or so. Well, even then I wouldn't be, so. They don't have to know that. All right. Um, bad. I've been clarifying it with everyone in my life for the last good. Days. <laughs> I also watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I have that one. I haven't seen it yet. It's a new director, and it was pretty good. Um, I also watched this older film, which has nothing to do with 2019. Uh, my friend hit me up the other night. Shout out to Christian Shelton. And he said, have you heard about this movie? And he sent me this trailer for this movie called uh, General Magic. Ooh. And I said, no, I never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. And it's a documentary about the people who created or helped create the age of mobile technology. Oh, interesting. So it was, yeah, it was really interesting to see that this guy came up with the concept for what we now see in our Android and iPhones in 1990. Before the internet came out and, you know, AOL and dial-up and you got mail and all that stuff, it was before all of that. And they were able to create an allegiance of some of the top technology companies in the world. So, I mean, you had Sony and Panasonic working together on this, and it was just a giant group thing. Cool. And it's just weird that we, you know, the, the average person doesn't know anything about them, even though... There's millions and millions of people basically walking around with what they originally invented. And then it was just amazing at the end just to see where all these people ended up today. I mean, Google, eBay, Nest, um, of course, Apple, 
all these different companies with that they went on to either be like CTOs, CIOs, creators, co-creators. Just amazing. It's on Showtime now. That's the only place you could get it. Or you could get the DVD at your local library or something to borrow. But really good. Really well done. That sounds really interesting. How about you? Well, I um, spent a fair amount of time on season three of Mrs. Maisel because I love Amy Sherman Palladino and I think she's a brilliant writer. And um, I also rewatched Double Indemnity because um, I did not have mm-hmm. internet last week and it's the only thing that I have easily available without streaming on my computer without effort. So I watched that and I went to Star Wars and Cats and I feel like I give us give us one review now and then you could give us the other later. All right, which which one do you want? Give us cats. Okay. So a sixty second review of cats? Yep. All right. Ready? You're on the clock. Save your money, don't go see it. Thank you. Um, okay. Seriously though, um, the production values, the whole thing is just so trippy and bizarre. I wish I'd like taken an edible before I went in. Cause it would have at least been entertaining. Right. I've never been to a screener that had that many people in it. Like the theater was packed and it had more people than star Wars did. And people were leaving halfway through in droves. It was wow. so boring. I've the, never seen that happen at a screener. It it was crazy. And um, because the thing is, is like the Broadway play de- debuted in 81. Right. And it sounds like 1981, like the music is super dated. And mm. the issue that there's always been with this is that there's no real plot that's very thinly constructed. But if you're at the theater and it's in front of you and you have that theater magic, it can kind of pull together because mm. it's more immersive. But this is just wackadoo. Uh, Taylor Swift is not great. No, nobody's real good in it. I'll be honest. Like they're committed. Like they are throwing down and doing it. Right. Um, it's admirable because you're so embarrassed for them the entire time. The cats themselves look weird. They made Idris Elba's fur the same color as his skin, so he just looks naked the whole time, and it's uncomfortable. You wonder at some point when you realize that these cats have no nether regions, somebody's job was to just remove genitals via digital everything. Like that's wow. a thing someone had to spend their time on and do. And that's a thing that crossed my mind in the theater because that's how bored I was. The music is not iconic. Jennifer Hudson belts her face off on memories and you're still like, oh, well, we got there. Now we're done with that. It's awful. The aspect ratio is completely bizarre. Like you never really get a sense of how big they actually are. There's some weird animation that does not work. And um, there's a lot of snot, like snot. (laughs) (laughs) So like Jennifer Hudson's character, I think they were really committed to her. She plays Grizabella or whatever, to her like having feline leukemia or something because she just has snot dripping down her face the entire movie. And it is so gross. And she deserves better than that. Like, why would you do that to Jennifer Hudson? Yeah, like I'm abysmal, no. abysmal, no ma. so bad, no ma. so bad. There's no, there is no reason to put yourself through that. But on on the flip side, I have to say, the woman sitting in front of me 
was having a religious experience while watching it. She was clapping. She laughed. She cried. I was like, I kept looking at her like, so you are the target audience. She was wearing cat ears. Like she was here for it. So I think that if you already know that you love Cats the musical, by all means, go see it. But if you are not that 0.001% of the population, stay home. It's better for your mental health because it is not good. Wow. On that note, when we come back from this break, we're going to get into Richard Jewell and hopefully the reviews will be a lot better than that. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get a new tape going. All right, Richard, here's what we're going to do. We need a voice exemplar. I want you to say into this phone, there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Richard, you're a national hero now. Thank you, sir. But I was just doing my job. You always look at the guy who found the bomb just like you always look at the guy who found the body. Jewel fits the profile of the lone bomber. A frustrated white man who is a police wannabe who seeks to become a hero. We're running it. For those of us who remember, 1996 Summer Olympics was a big deal because it was held in Atlanta, Georgia. Many were happy and excited for the upcoming games, and no one was prepared for the tragedy that followed when a bomb went off. The hero of the day was a young man named Richard Jewell, and he is a character in the new Clint Eastwood movie, starring Paul Walter Hauser as Richard Jewell, also featuring Sam Rockwell, the wonderful Kathy Bates, John Hamm, and Olivia Wilde. With that in mind, what did you think of the movie? I felt like it was the cinematic version of Clint Eastwood yelling at a chair. Hmm. The story was very compelling. It's well told. The acting is fantastic. It has serious pacing issues. But it's also deeply, deeply one-sided. I mean, it is a true story of a man who's tried in the media, but... Mm -hmm. I felt like there's also not the opportunity for the media to tell their side of the story. The character that Olivia Wilde is playing, Kathy Scruggs, um, passed away years ago. So there's no way for her to actually tell her side of the story. And this has been in the news a little bit, but they imply that she sleeps with sources for information, which there's no actual evidence of her doing that. So I felt like it was a pretty rotten move to insinuate that about somebody's professional career when they don't have the opportunity to defend themselves. And in particular, the whole ordeal goes on for less than three months. And it's really hard to have sympathy for somebody whose life was made uncomfortable for three months while they were trying to sort out a terrorist investigation. And the thing is, is that it's this white guy who's performing terrorism. And that's who actually did it was a white guy. And it was a terrorist act. So you know, I'm sorry that this investigation interrupted your life for three months, but it's I really struggle to have sympathy for the situation. Yeah. And just remember playing out in real time, I really think it was a fall from grace. And I think that's what they maybe should have tried to emphasize a little more. So it didn't feel like he was just sitting there trying to recap three months of this man's life. But It really was for a couple of days. He was the hero, you know, the greatest American in the world. And then all of a sudden, 
the court of public opinion took over and it was the government and the media. And it's a really captivating thing that it was a golden opportunity for Clint Eastwood to have this venue to say, look, the media is wrong. Or in this case, under this administration, look, the government was wrong. And I'm not going to get into the whole politics of it, but there were certain things about his 90 or 88 days or whatever it was that was left out. All the libel cases that came up afterwards. And it was just maybe for time purposes, maybe for the purpose of not adding to the story, but it made it look like it just got off scot-free. And from what I've heard, this man kind of like fought court cases until the time of his passing. Yeah, he did. And... That was my other issue with it, was that they painted this guy, again, who's passed away, Richard Jewell, as a sort of lovable bozo. And he's just this, you know, he's so sweet and well-intentioned, and he just really wants to be one of the good guys, and everyone's so mean to him. And but it's mm-hmm. like, hold on, you've got this guy who lives with his mom, who's socially awkward, who stockpiles weapons, like, that's... In real life, that's not a person who is being portrayed the way he is there. I'm sure there was a lot more to him, but to completely leave out the the social awkward factor on his own part and make him just this perpetual victim of culture, mm-hmm. I felt well, like it was just sloppy and and really one sided. I tend to try and err on the side of like giving people the benefit of a doubt, but I I didn't get the opportunity to do that because who this guy was with absolutely no nuance was just being forced down the audience's throat. Like he's the good guy. He's fine. Whatever. It also left out the fact that he was at some point married. And I thought it was interesting that like he goes on to, you know, he's off the hook. He's become a cop, which was the thing he always wanted. But he also got married. And to me, that would be part of a happy ending unless it was like a money grubbing because he's getting all this money from libel suits. And then that whole thing takes away from the narrative of him being this basic good guy. So the cherry picked information just really bugged me. And I think it was cherry picked to fit the that forced narrative of the story. There was this constant hanging of, you know, I trust the government because the government's always the good guy. But in the same sense, he used the venture to also bring down the fact that they they weren't the good guy in that case. So here's this tale of this guy who was on the side of being a real American, and they tried to slander him in so many different ways. Which, I mean, it's part of the story, but as you said, it's not the whole story. Well, and to say that because they're taking their time and taking three months to sort through information regarding a terrorist bomb makes them bad Which is guys. not a lot of time. Like, that's, not a lot of that's time. That's baffling to me. Like, these are still the good guys. Yeah, like, the, I disagree with the approach as presented in the movie, and uh, admittedly, mm-hmm. the media situation made everything worse, but that's still just people who are trying to do their jobs. A bad guy would have been John Hamm planted the bomb, and now he's trying to pin it on this poor security guard. That's a bad guy. This is just a guy who's misguided and trying to do his job. So this like black and yeah. white approach to the narrative, I felt was it was just immature really like it was it just really lacked a nuance that said the performances are from phenomenal they're all very excellent um i felt like 
yeah. Paul Walter Hauser was really, really good. Sam Rockwell, really good. Um, Olivia Wilde too. Kathy Bates was good, but it was nothing that was new for Kathy Bates. So I was, I was less taken by it. Some of the writing was really excellent, particularly the scenes when you got Sam Rockwell and John Hamm and Paul Walter Hauser in a room together. Those were really crackly and I liked them. Um, pretty much the same thing, just going down stars. I would say Hauser did an excellent performance in showing you the personification of Jewel. The The one thing that um, really got me is I was sitting there and I'm trying to remember, where have I seen this guy before? Because he did such a good job of uh, personifying Jewel and it's from... Itania. And... I would say Kathy Bates was being Kathy Bates, but that's pretty much like a varsity going up against a right. junior varsity. She's always going to be like the good person really acting things out. And the the one performance that really upset me just from trying to take a character and run with it was Olivia Wilde because not that she did a bad performance she was very good no she was in what she, she had to she deal charismatic with charismatic and enigmatic like she was so interesting to watch but the whole character was so problematic yeah and her being a a feminist a well-known feminist you know being a part of the various women marches and times up and all that stuff in order for her to take a role without like knowing the history of it and like I said, she did a good job. I, I would think a feminist would not take a role like that. That would be disparaging to a woman, once again, who could not even defend her own story to say, well, this happened. It didn't happen. I don't reveal my sources, whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. I was honestly kind of disappointed with the whole cast for doing the movie a little bit. But and I wonder if it's just the power of working with a legend like Clint Eastwood. If they're like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. But I mean, there's th- that one. There was that one scene that really bugged me, where um, Kathy Scruggs is in her newsroom, and um, Sam Rockwell, who is I don't think we've mentioned Richard Jewell's attorney, he and his client roll in, and she's and this is what I mean about like the Republican National Convention and yelling at a chair. Kathy Scruggs is literally sitting in a chair, and Sam Rockwell is standing over her and yelling at her about how the media is such a horrible, and it's it's her specifically, but it's emblematic of the entire media and how they're ruining this guy's life, and they're so irresponsible. And it's this rant, and she says nothing back. Like, there's no other side to it. There's no defense. There's no anything. And, um, and it was uncharacteristic of the character that you saw in yeah, the Sam like Sam Rockwell's character, whose name I cannot remember. Um, it was you were just like, what was what was that? That oh, that was Clint Eastwood. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. And uncharacteristic of her character as well, who would just sit there and take it all and not 100%. say anything. Hundred percent. I'm based on but the character they built was, in the movie. I don't know anything about the real person. It was almost like director just kind of edited the script as they were filming that scene. That's my opinion. I really feel like he got his hand and said. This is what I want you to say in this scene. I would agree. Um, so yeah, as far like the story is fascinating, and I think as even as a case study for media behavior and investigation, uh, it's fascinating. But I felt like the whole thing was really mishandled. I'd like to see something that's maybe a little bit more balanced on the front of good versus evil, good versus bad guy, and just the new, like there's some real nuance to the situation that was just not even acknowledged. So I would give it two out of five innocent suspects. 
I would give it three out of five empty chairs. Empty chairs? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. That was so much better than mine. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Nice job. All right. I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Movies where Sam Rockwell was better. Every movie he's ever been in. Um, No, come on. Let's give it (laughs) a All right. No, Moon's one of my favorites, and it's cheating that you took that away from me. Um, Yeah. I don't love the movie version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but he is absolutely excellent in it. Um, Three billboards. I still haven't seen it. Matchstick Men. Also one of the few movies with Nick Cage that I genuinely love him in. That's such a fantastic movie. Um, Even though he was brief in it, he totally embraced this role. And I'll say Vice, where he played uh, W. Oh, yeah. He was great as W. W. I forgot he did that. Um, Oh, he was really good in Jojo Rabbit. That was also this year. Yeah. Like, I really liked him in Jojo Rabbit. So did I. I'll also add The Way, Way Back. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So I would agree with you. If you really want to find out the history of this, just hit up the Wikipedia. But it's a good story, but I would just say there are certain things to be wary of going in. See it for Sam Rockwell. See it for Kathy Bates. See it for Hauser, who does a good job. Even see it for Olivia Wilde. So up next... I will give y'all a quick rundown of the new Star Wars Rise of Skywalker that ends this nine movie epic that started in the 70s, in case y'all didn't know what Star Wars was. And uh, we'll have a quick chat about that sci-fi greatness that's coming out very, very soon, like this week. So some of us were lucky enough to see Christmas Day movies uh, before Christmas. Well, and 50% I, I got... I, I got to see one or two, 1917. Go see it when it comes on out. On the it's big awesome. screen, that's important. But, um, see that one on the big screen. Yeah, definitely. But Miss um, Kate got to see Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. And she's going to give you a spoiler-free quick review. Snitches get stitches. Okay, so I have to add a disclaimer to this, in the, which I tell you I did not see episode seven or eight. And... I was really okay with that, though, because I wanted to see how the movie holds up if you're dragging your beloved who does not care to it, if they will enjoy it. I was lucky enough to bring my friend Scott, who uh, it was like Christmas morning to see a Star Wars movie early. And mm-hmm. so he gave me a quick dissertation on uh, 7 and 8 and also his own deep love of Star Wars and some of the themes and things that he noticed, which was very interesting. All of that said. The first third is kind of a slog. There's a lot of backstory being tied up from the previous movie. So something that I learned while watching this was that with the passing of Han Solo, they basically divided him into two people with Poe and Finn. Like those are the new Solo in two people. Um, But that said, Oscar Isaac and John Boyega are excellent in it. The best scenes are Kylo Ren and Rey, hands down. Like, you just wait for them to get back on screen together. The way that they handle it is so, so good. Um, I felt like the conclusion was very satisfying. Sometimes it takes three generations to figure your crap out. Is that a spoiler? No. Uh, I felt like the conclusion was excellent. Scott, who I consider, he was, you know, he was my Star Wars fan. He was pretty satisfied and happy with the movie. I enjoyed it very much. 
talking to some other critics, um, they it was very divisive, which really surprised me because they're all Star Wars nerds too. Um, but it was satisfying. It doesn't have you know the big bang of the original trilogy, but nothing nothing ever has. It's too iconic. You can't compete with it. Once it gets over its franchise obligations, hitting those marks, saying those lines, revisiting those characters out of more obligation than plot necessity, it starts to hit its stride and it gets much more compelling and much more interesting. But yeah, it was a very fitting conclusion. Um, Carrie Fisher's in it, which everybody knows, you know, posthumously, and they handled that very respectfully, which I was concerned about, but um, everything they did was was Good. very well done. And, uh, yeah, I think that the hardcore fans are always going to find something to whine about, but, um, I think it was handled really, really well with JJ Abrams back at the helm. And, uh, it was, it's a fun watch. It is fast. Like it is nonstop. And I know that that was an issue with the previous two movies where there wasn't quite enough action to them. This is nonstop action. It doesn't give up for a second. And once you get past that first third of it, it really just, Hits hyperdrive. What Good. reference? So I would give it four out of five stormtroopers because they're the real heroes. Nice. <laughs> I'm looking no, forward to it. No, I think you're going to like it. I think you um, are. Good. Yeah. Good. Just thinking about what's next. There's a couple of movies opening up this Friday besides Cats and Don't see Cats. Star Wars. I give Cats <laughs> zero out of five hisses well there's also bombshell which is a revealing look inside the most powerful and controversial and i will say i saw bombshell and it's really really good all the performances are fantastic and margot robbie like she deserves an award for her supporting role she's fantastic in it yeah nice I yeah, gotta and check Kay that McKinnon's one out. really good, too. And, and there was also the new Terrence Malick film, A Hidden Life. These are all coming out between, well, pretty much on Friday, December 20th. So we had a little longer wait. Thank you, Cut Internet Lines. But we're glad to get this episode yeah, up. It'll be a short wait to our next episode. We'll probably get that up on Christmas Eve, where we'll discuss uncut gems and a few things to bring you into the holiday mood as well. You need a New Year's Eve movie. We've got your holidays covered. Yes. Or maybe you just want to get away from family and watch a few things. Who wants to get away from family? I don't believe it. So until next time, I've been KB. And I am still Kate. And we want to thank you for joining us on the center seat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Center Seat. The music provided by The Big Law, Todd Kelly. Please follow on Twitter at Center Seat Pod and subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast platform.